Bubs, this is a huge day. It's a day that I've kind of been dreading for for a while now. You have been dreading uh, First this. of all, yes. First of all, welcome everyone once again back to the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast, the original Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am your co-host, Kenny Oak. Uh, you saw me on Facebook Live earlier, uh, kind of hyping up what we're about to get into. I am joined, as always, by Chris Harris. And Chris, I, I, this is something that we've been talking about for two years now, and it's finally here, and I'm, I'm excited to get to it, but I'm also a little nervous about this. I want to applaud you real quick for cutting a nice little promo on the old Facebook well, Live. You. Nice promo. It may fun. not be great in the ring, but I can cut a promo. Bus. Damn sure work the mic. Um, I will. I have to correct you once again. You know, Charisma Uh-oh. Chris talking here. You should know this Charisma by now. Chris. By now. Let's go. But that promo showed that you have a little bit in you as well. So we'll see how that develops. Now, Bubs, we have we've been working collar and elbow for almost two years exactly. Like we're almost up to that point now. Yeah, it's what October or was it September? It's, it's end September, of September. Sep- the the September yeah. time frame was when we started this two years ago. And we've dabbled in this topic a little bit here and there. We constantly bring it up when we talk about other topics, at least. And we constantly fought about this, Buzz. This is something that early on you were getting very upset with me because I would just say I I want none none of this in in our show. But, you know. But due to some recent success talking about some controversial type things – we decided to open up the bag to the single most controversial subject in in professional wrestling history. Yes, and if you don't know what we're talking about or alluding to, um, we are talking about the, I guess you could just say now, infamous, that's kind of where we are at this point, the infamous history and legacy of the Pegasus Kid, of, you know, the, the Crippler, the Canadian Crippler, uh, the Rabid Wolverine, you know, Chris Benoit. This time has finally come. It's something I vehemently was against, but in light of, you know, some recent discussions that we've had and some great discussions that we've had with some of our listeners, um, I think it's time to finally jump into uh, the subject and and go head first, you know, just... Not dipping our toes in. We're 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 diving headfirst, going all in, and just kind of doing our best to encapsulate how we feel uh, about this subject and how it has affected not only us, you know, as wrestling fans, but the entire wrestling uh, landscape as we know it. And something interesting came to mind when I was doing all all the research for this, Bubs, was that. We, we've talked about a lot of great wrestlers. We've talked about a lot of historic moments and historic things and people right. and this, that, and the other over time. But doing the research in this, I easily think that Chris Benoit is the most controversial controversial subject in all of wrestling. 100%. Because as we found out on Twitter and on Facebook, when you even post a picture of the guy... You're going to get some some different responses. There's people out there that have similar responses that I have, which is I have the ability to separate the wrestler from the human being that did what he did. And there's a lot of people that simply cannot do that. And, I mean, aside from getting death threats directly at me, I got some pretty vulgar things said (laughs) to me on Twitter. 
about. You did, and it blew me away that people would people feel so strongly about this subject, which is kind of a reason why we want to jump into it because we love fan interaction. We just love talking to other wrestling fans, and this has given us a lot of interaction, both really bad but also really good. And I've had some really good conversations with some very smart people and you know brought up some really great topics, and I'll get into that later on. Uh, but this has been one of those subjects that it's definitely 100% divided uh, right down the middle. And it, there's no gray area here, Bubs, yeah. uh, from what I'm seeing on the internet. It's either you you love the guy for what he did in the ring or you absolutely hate him for what he did as a as a human being and the singular act that he uh, perpetrated on a very dark day in June of 2007. And you say, you say divided, and prior to us getting into this research over the last week, I would have thought that the majority of wrestling fans, especially the people that know it like you and I do, 90% of them would have been completely against him, never want to say his name, don't care right. about him anymore. But that's actually not the case, and that was very surprising to me because about half and half was the response that I was getting. People saying that they still consider him one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. He's still a, a favorite of his. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hall of Fame. We got some of that as well. People that say that they do go back and watch a lot of his matches. So that was the, probably the most surprising point, I'll say, mm -hmm. was that this was a very 50-50 split thing between people that absolutely hate him, that get mad at me for even bringing up the subject, <laughs> and the people that are, that are like, yeah, I still Terrible. love to watch his matches because he's one of the best to ever do it in the ring, and I, I could care less about what he did outside of the ring because I don't think about him as a human. I think about him just as a wrestler. And that was a cultural thing that you and I actually learned, right, from, yes. from Facebook. So that and that's something that I'll get into uh, later on. It's a topic that as soon as I, I heard it and saw it and was discussing it, um, it's something that I, I just jumped into and started you know, going balls to the wall on just figuring out kind of where he stands in the grand scheme of not just my feelings but of the entire wrestling community because the wrestling community is one of the most diverse communities out there yeah and which is why we get such a split reaction you know 50 50 you know booking so to speak on this but i would like to start with just kind of going through his career just going through you know his accomplishments, what he he did as an in-ring technician, an in-ring wrestler. Before we kind of get into what makes him such a divisive figure, that's a great piece that we'll do, Bubs. We'll, I'd like to start off by by just throwing something out there to you real quick. Now you, I, I say this quite often. You're going to hear it again from me, but I love a wrestler's resume, right? I brought yes, this up. that's one of. That's probably your biggest thing that you it is. Uh, when we when we go over why we pick someone to be on our Mount Rushmore or our top three favorite wrestlers. It's very much about resume with you. So please, please tell us more. Right. So when we when we talk about Chris Benoit as the performer in the ring, if I just if I didn't tell you the name of anybody and I started naming off some accomplishments like a two time world champion, a triple crown winner, a WCW triple crown winner. He's the second of only five men to ever do the WWE and WCW Triple Crown to win the Royal Rumble, coming in at entrant number one, something that's only been done by one other you man. Don't. Yeah, well, that's the only one thing, only one man gets mentioned in that. Exactly. And to main event one of the most 
I'll say exciting subjectively um, to main event a WrestleMania in a, an exciting triple threat match with two first ballot top eight, top ten wrestlers of all time. If I just said that to you and didn't say a name attached to that, what would you think of that person? Like 100% first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, one of the biggest stars of, of all time. You know, if you knew nothing about wrestling, you'd probably say, oh, that sounds like, is that Hulk Hogan? Or is that, you know, yeah. John Cena? That that seems like someone that is a big deal in, exactly. in wrestling. And just by looking at it on paper and just some of the notes that I've written down, being like being one of five guys to ever win the Triple Crown in two different major organizations in WCW and WWE is a major thing. Now that's a very interesting kind of statistic, and I, I would love to kind of, you know, research into that just to see who's on such a such a short list of uh, just a great champions. Right. So that, that to me screams someone that is an all-timer, you know, to, to win – you know, to be a triple crown winner in two major organizations, like that's that's unheard of. It really is. That's why there's only five that have done it, and we're never going to see anything like that anymore because we're never going to have such a powerful. Are you talking about split. Booker T. Bubs? Ah, see, there's the other name that oh, was yes. part of the five for sure. Booker, <laughs> Booker T. is one of those, but it's not right. But okay. just just by looking at that resume, you think, well, goddamn, this dude's fucking great. The Royal Rumble thing alone, I think, is. Outside of all these accomplishments, I think that is one of the things that should be talked about more in regards to what he's did if you're actually you know, willing to talk about the guy is that he came in at number one just like yes. Shawn Michaels did and ran the gauntlet and stayed in to the entirety of a, of a Royal Rumble. And those events are usually always exciting except for when you don't get a, you know, your fan favorite winning at the end or something Yeah, like yeah, that. or Daniel Bryan doesn't you know, get put in at all. <laughs> Roman Reigns wins. And then you get personally upset about it, right? Yes. But that's some great stuff, Bub. So that's that's him on paper. So just him on paper as we're talking about it, that's a legend. No that's, name attached. No name attached. That's first ballot Hall of Famer. Whoever that person is, he's going into the, into the Hall of Fame. But right. even it's deeper than that, though. And you, you wanted to talk about where he came from, and that's really where a lot of my research went was Chris Benoit. Where did he start from? Where did he go? And if you know a lot about wrestling, you know that he was part of the, the Hart family dungeon. He was... He was in there with with Bret Hart. He was in there with Owen and Sue. And he's a big a big fan of the Dynamite Kid. And that's how he kind of, I guess, meshed his styles as as a combination of the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart. And if you're talking about in ring technicians, bubs, those are if you're gonna, if those are your two guys that you're going to make your style out of, I think some of the best in ring technicians, bubs, have said that they've modeled themselves after the. Uh, Dynamite Kid. Ooh, right. I drew a blank there for a second. You're back in. Uh, I, yeah, I'm here. We got this. Um, but when you look at it, all those people that have tried to emulate Dynamite Kid in some form or fashion, look at what happened with Dynamite Kid, what kind of yeah. he divulged into. Um, you see that same kind of thing happen to people who have modeled their career after the Dynamite Kid. You know, those diving headbutts, that yeah. those take a toll on you. Look at what's happened recently with Daniel Bryan. That's another person who, you know, modeled himself after the Dynamite Kid. Um, it, it's not a safe style. It's not a style that is conducive to a long career. And if you do wrestle with that style for a long period of time, your body takes the toll, your brain takes the toll, and um, it it's just a dangerous game that you're playing at that point. It really is. And I, I read something that 
when Benoit said that he, he did his first ever like swan dive headbutt off the top rope, he didn't know how to land properly. So he blew the, oh, the lung out the, the the air out of his lungs and he hurt himself. But yeah. I mean, that didn't necessarily stop him. So that's just one prime example. But to learn from I mean, some consider Stu but, Hart, but, you know, one of the greatest yeah. to ever teach people of how to Calgary wrestle. Calgary Stampede Wrestling was an, was a great organization. Some of the best, you know, went through there. Brian Pillman, Bret Hart, all the Hearts really own Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had some of the best of all time wrestle with the Hearts, for the Hearts, for Stu Hart. Yeah. And to be able to kind of make it in that environment says a lot about you not just as a wrestler, but as a person to be able to withstand kind of that that style. It's a very hard-hitting style in, in Calgary. Yeah, for sure. If you've seen any of the documentaries, at least Bret Hart ones, you, you get a very clean glimpse into what that basement was like because you learn a lot of technical greatness, which is why all the hearts were very good you know, with technical skills. But you, know, you get the shit beat out of you. You learn how to be tough. You know how to apply holds and actually cause pain to another person. So to, to use all that and to to make a, a combination of all that into a different style is really what Benoit tried to do. And then and you already brought up Stampede Wrestling. That's really where he got his start was for Stu Hart in the Calgary area while it was still running at least. doing. It was a territorial thing at that point, but it was definitely one of the later ter- territories that fell because it was WWE land at that point and everything was yeah. falling, falling to that. So outside of that, he really... I think he made his best work early in his career, at least, Bubs, during his New Japan time. Because when he left Stampede, he goes to the dojo in New Japan, and that's where he gets to you know, become the Pegasus Kid. And where he's working that, that junior heavyweight type of style with a handful of other greats in this world. Jushin Thunder Liger, one of the greatest mm-hmm. junior heavyweights of all time. Who's still doing great stuff, and he's over there for yes. for years, and he becomes you know an IW to IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and he's he's the first ever Super J Cup Champion, and and stuff, and he's winning all these tournaments, and you can see by just looking back in his career during a time in New Japan when it was getting bigger and brighter, especially in that that Junior Heavyweight class with guys that are first ballot Hall of Famers. If we're just talking about Jushin as an example, he was beating people like him. He was beating people like, like Gato, who's still wrestling-ish in the world and or booking. So there was a lot of things that he did in that New Japan world early on prior to even coming over to the ECW land, prior to coming to to WCW, where I really think he got to learn different styles because Benoit did a lot of different things in the ring. He could be yes. technical. He could be a brawler. He could he could throw a little bit of that, that hard-hitting style right at you, a little bit of strong style, and... He was a submission expert. He was a, a a suplex expert. You know, Chris Benoit was one of those guys that can just get in the ring and go. We, we talk about guys who, when you're in the ring with them, he just makes that person better. You know, nowadays, you know, you see a match with you know AJ Styles, and no matter who who he's wrestling, he makes that person look better. Um, gosh, lately, John Cena. Uh, when he's right. in a match, it makes that person a bigger deal, makes that person look better. But back then, or really throughout his career, Chris Benoit was one of those go-to guys. It's like, hey, we need this this person coming in. We need him to look good. We need him to put a good impression. Oh, put him in the ring with, with Benoit because he will make that guy look like a star. They did that to Orlando Jordan quite a bit back in they tried the, to the day, and it, it didn't work. But that was oh, certainly worst example. U.S. champion of all time. <laughs> the cabinet. 
but a guy like this traveling the world at this stage, this was a big thing in the early late 80s, early 90s, mid-90s time because WCW and New Japan had a talent exchange agreement that they shared back and forth. Mm-hmm. So when Benoit decided to actually sign with WCW, it became part of that. The reason why that was because, was because of the talent exchange, which allowed him to go back and forth from Japan to work in the in the States as well and really gave him a lot of exposure that he didn't get to with upper card players. And I'm talking when he was in WCW, after his initial ECW run at least, when he became famous for becoming the Crippler, becoming the Canadian Crippler in winning tag titles with Dean Malenko and stuff like this, where people in the U.S. started to see him on TV at least. He yeah. comes to the WCW and he becomes part of this this new horseman thing. Yeah, he was a four horseman, Bob. With Anderson Flair and I think it was Brian Pillman, I'm sure, at that point. But and also that, uh, was wasn't it Mongoose also? I think he was in there with Mongoose, Steve McMichael, Mongo McMichael, Mongo. Yeah, he might have been in there as well because everyone. Mongoose, what, who, who, what I, the you meant fuck to say? Am I talking Mongo, about? the Mongoose. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long week. No, it's good. Yes, yes. Uh, but I mean, they were with those guys and the Dungeon of Doom at the same time. They were all trying to end the the Hulkamania thing. You know, that was a part of an angle there. Sting, as well. they they were big against Sting at the time. Like yeah. all, they were the heel faction that was just trying to beat down all the baby faces. And it it, it did great stuff for him because it, it allowed him to work and go back and forth, kind of not as he pleased, but really where where the money was, and whether that be Japan or WCW. But at that point, Bubs, you know WCW's junior or wow, junior cruiserweight division. We're both having issues right starting, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was starting to pick up because you talk at length almost every goddamn episode. When we even mention the letters WCW, you start to talk about the cruiserweight division. Ew, Bob's. It was a big deal. And it was, and he was a part of that because anything him and Eddie Guerrero were doing at any point in time was watchable TV. And that was really what I think gave him the most TV time was working in that that cruiserweight division outside of you know vignettes and promos with the the new horsemen. You're right, and the thing, but the thing about Chris Benoit is, yeah, he was kind of smaller in stature, but he was also someone that was portrayed as as bigger than what he really was. Uh, if if you listen to anyone talk about Chris Benoit's time in WCW, I've listened to Jericho talk about it a lot. Benoit was kind of a a leader of of some of the kind of smaller guys, some of the, not not the main eventers, but some of the, the mid-card kind of guys. Chris Benoit was kind of there as as the leader. You didn't cross him, you know, and if he gave you advice, you listened to it. Um, but he was also someone that was very protected. One thing, if, if you pay attention, if you go back and watch, you know, some of the highlights of Chris Benoit's career, you realize just how protected he was in both WCW and WWE. You know, he, he rarely lost... He was put in pretty decent feuds. Like he feuded with yeah. the Booker at the time, Kevin Sullivan, mm-hmm. um, which kind of led to uh, Kevin Sullivan and, and woman um, Nancy Benoit. But she was woman in ECW, um, if you didn't know. But that kind of led to their divorce because there was an angle that Benoit and Nancy were were cheating you know, behind Kevin's back and they actually began a relationship with each other, uh, which led to them getting married in the future. But Chris Benoit, he wasn't a main eventer, but he was treated as a big deal. Right. And that's something that, that people don't realize a lot. 
in a lot of the matches that he technically loses, there's you know dirty finishes or there's DQs and there's things like that. So you're you're definitely right. He was never rarely are you going to see a a clean pinfall against a Chris Benoit in that time because I think oh. even if Sullivan had a little bit of pull back in those WCW days, he saw something in a guy like Chris Benoit because he was in great physical shape. His in ring style was a, a mixture of several different things that drew in a lot of people's attention. And I think when they decided to to do that, one of your favorite feuds at least, to put him in there with Booker T for that, that TV title, yes, that's things the, really decided to, to kick up in both of their careers because it really did elevate both of their careers to the upper mid-card, and neither of them fell below that upper mid-card for the rest of their life unless they were doing tag team stuff, bub. So that really worked out for them. Yeah, and that was one of the um, kind of seminal feuds of his that I really was able to sink my teeth into because I was a huge Chris Benoit fan in, when I was younger. So I switched over to WCW around 90, late 96, 97, and uh, that was kind of when Chris Benoit was you know, in that mid-card scene feuding for the TV title, U.S. title, that kind of stuff. And his feud with, with uh, Booker T., was the first big feud that I just was I was enamored with. You know, I watched each best of seven match. Me and my even when we couldn't watch the pay per view, me and my brother found like play by play chat rooms where people would do you know give us the play by play. This was nineteen ninety seven, you know, the internet was so chat archaic was back then. <laughs> yes. So and I talked about this before. We'd go in and be like, Oh, are there any real wrestlers in here? Like so, like a like a wrestler's gonna be like, Yeah, I'm you know, Terry Taylor, what's up? Uh, but we, we were so... Because my brother was a big Booker T fan, so there was a huge rivalry there. And it was just... The matches were spectacular. You know, one after... The, they had such amazing chemistry. And it was just a, a set of matches that just... If you are a fan of wrestling, no matter what kind of style, even if you aren't a fan of wrestling, show, show them... You want to get someone into wrestling? Show them Chris Benoit versus Booker T, and they'll be like, "Wow, this, this is these guys are athletic. These guys are strong. This is some really good stuff." Yeah, and and just to see the two of them in the ring because Booker is about six foot six or so, bubs, big dude. He's and, big, and Benoit is not, but they somehow have this chemistry in the ring that just makes the matches look very good. Rarely is there a time that a spot doesn't look nice as well. So it really did elevate both of their careers. And in that 99, 2000, and 2001 time frame of WCW, there's a lot of Booker T at the top of that card. And there is. He, and the reason there's that, also and, some Chris Benoit. That's when Chris Benoit won his one is. and only WCW yeah. title. That was my next point was he was kind of given that WCW title that wasn't actually recognized. That's a horrible pay-per-view, by the way, sold out 2000, where he beats fucking Sid Vicious for the title. So he, he technically did win it, but it wasn't recognized. Cause and then he left. The company. Yeah. yeah. And right, rightfully so, because that really WCW was, was pretty garbage at that time. We've talked about it. It was already a sinking yeah. ship. The iceberg has already, it's uh, already cut the open boat. the ship. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, you know, that when the radicals came to WWF bubs, it was a big deal. If you knew who they were, and yes. if you didn't know who, who they were, you were like, Oh fuck these guys, their heels, boo, they're getting in our way, which was a great TV. Anyway, but if you were a fan of them before, watching Cruiserweight stuff, even Perry Saturn was good stuff at times. He, so, he was, I was a fan of Saturn in the Raven Flock, so that sure. seeing him, I was like, oh, wow, he wears real clothes? This is yeah. what's going on. <laughs> and from that point, I mean, up to this point, 
Benoit's career is one of the one of the best that any anybody else could try to emulate because you start out at some local territory, you learn in somebody's dungeon, dungeon, you go to Japan and learn in a dojo and and learn their style, then you go to WCW and then you work yourself up the card and then you make it to a major brand. That's amazing career progression that yes. I mean, we're not going to see that really nowadays necessarily because it's different, but then this was really the way to do it, wasn't it? It, it was it, the way uh, if you watch or read any of Chris Jericho's books, um, such a great author, uh, such a great spinner yeah. of tales. Great I love reading his books. Um, you know, if you know anything about his history, you know, he literally traveled the world. He wrestled all over the place. He wrestled in, in Mexico, Germany, all over the U.S., wrestled in Japan and learned different styles in each stop. And kind of rolled all of that into a creative ball to create his own wrestling style and that's something Chris Benoit also did. Chris Benoit was wasn't always Chris Benoit was able to always adjust himself and add new things to a style. He was never he wasn't the same wrestler he was in Calgary that he was, you know, when he was in Japan and that he was when he was in WCW, ECW up until WWE. He constantly evolved and that's what makes someone such a great talent is that they're able to evolve with not only the times but with the company that they're in with the wrestler that they're in the ring with you mentioned earlier he can wrestle all kinds of different styles he was technical he could be a brawler um he was a suplex machine he was a submission machine it didn't matter he wrestled a match with kurt angle without ever throwing a punch mm -hmm. you know it was just a straight wrestling match and he could pull that off just because he had that kind of talent and ability. Right. And as we kind of go through time here, now we're up into this early mid-2000s time where we're seeing nothing but great matches still between him and Kurt Angle. Obviously, there's a lot of those to go back with. And then Chris Jericho. Jericho ones. There's even more Eddie Guerrero ones. Triple and, H. And Shawn Michaels. continuing to progress as we get towards what is really the, the seminal event of his career, which was main eventing a WrestleMania. Now looking back, Bubs, let's let's be honest for a second. He main evented WrestleMania twenty. He wins yes. WrestleMania twenty main event and wins the world title. Now yes. there are there are bigger names, there are better looking guys, there are bigger draws than Chris Benoit at that time in WWE. So why did Vince decide to go ahead and do this with Chris Benoit when he could have put it on Michaels? Would have been a great pop there. Triple H was already a big draw. There's a handful of other names I can throw out there right now at that time during this year that were that could have been bigger than Benoit, but why did he get this spot in one of the most I think it's one of the best triple threat matches of all time? It's definitely up there as one of the best triple threat matches of all time and and claiming something to be the best of all time, like we always say, is very subjective. Mm. But that match is true. I rewatched it today. I I was sending you pictures, I was sending so you good. videos of some of the best moments. Um but it kinda goes back to ten years later what happens you know at wrestlemania 30 you know that that main event becomes a triple threat with daniel bryan in there and daniel bryan wins when there was much bigger names there were much bigger names in that match batista randy orton batista yep. is just having a huge movie come out guardians of the galaxy one uh it was definitely a very smart thing to have him in the main event and possibly win the title but the crowd was 100% behind Daniel Bryan, and any other result at the end of that night, the fans are going home angry and upset. Right. Same thing kind of 
and and those are two very similar people. Yes. Chris Jericho, not me. Excuse me, Chris Benoit and Daniel Bryan, um, in ring at least, and you kind of had that same thing. The fans were solidly behind Chris Benoit just because of his work rate, his in-ring ability. You know, the guy couldn't cut a promo to save his life. No. But he gave it his all no matter what. Whether he was in the opening match with, like, Al Snow, or he was in, you know, the greatest main event on Raw of all time with Triple H, Stone Cold, okay. and in that in what's considered the greatest tag team match of all time with Chris Jericho. Um, the guy always gave his all, and the fans appreciate great workers. Me and you talk about it all the time, how a great wrestler can always win over the fans with great in-ring work. Mm-hmm. You can tell a story, and fans will get behind them if they're good in the ring, and that's what Chris Benoit was best at. And the fans, if you listen to that match, if you go back and rewatch it, the fans are chanting for Benoit almost throughout the entire the time. the entirety of the match. They're 100% behind Benoit, and that's why he was given that chance to run with the title because he had the support of the fans. He worked harder than almost anybody else in that entire company, and it was just the right time to do it. Right. And I think at this time, we're talking 2004, I think, Fans yes. are smarter at this point. They they kind of know a little bit about the you know behind the scenes stuff. We we knew what was going on at this point a little bit, and we knew certainly, you know, someone like Benoit what he's been through in his career. So the majority of those diehard fans know that he's been doing this stuff for twenty years, fifteen years at the least. Trying to it was grind. eighteen years at that time. Okay, so eighteen years trying to grind his way from a territorial basement all the way through everything that he did to get to this point. That's a story by itself that people want to get yeah. behind. So that really was enough for the storyline to make Chris Benoit go over in that match. Now, had Shawn Michaels won, there's still going to be a decent little pot for him because the crowd liked oh, him. He was a yeah. face at the time. They wanted and him to beat Triple H for months. Exactly. So had he beaten Triple H, that's a good plug as well. And if, and Triple H was a hot heel still at 2004. Oh, so so had, much if, heat. He would have gotten so much heat. If he wins, then it's still a – either way. That That's why I say there's nothing, nothing that could have gone wrong in that match. <laughs> But it's a great reason why he won, and I'm glad that they trusted him to do that because it really gave us an amazing moment because we had Eddie Guerrero come into that, into the ring right after that, and they have their moment, and that is simply so one of the one of the best moments that I still go back and watch because I'm truly a fan of what that story meant, right? And at yes. that point, Benoit, he's sticking around that top of the card. He he does lose the title, but he's almost kind of yeah, he's almost kind of a transitional champ here, Bubs, because did, it yeah, was quickly it was a month or two later. I think it was at was that a backlash or no? He he wins at backlash, but it's okay. not too long. But he drops he it to Orton, and just a couple months later, which yeah. was just a transition to get the belt back to Triple H. Triple H, right? Well, roundabout way to find Triple H again. Yes, and, to and put I, over I hate that. To the next year. Yeah, I hate that that happens. But I mean, he was good at what he did. It was as a transitional champion, it, it worked. But he he stays around that mid card thing. He he's in the U.S. title picture for a long time. I think he became double champion actually while he was champion didn't he win the tag titles while he was champion i might be misquoting i don't but think he was champion and tag team champion I i remember pictures in my head so i might be wrong call me out on the internet that's cool but regardless bubs for the next little while he's sticking around in that in that time but then 2005 comes bubs and 
this is when Eddie Guerrero dies and the yes. end, towards towards the end of that year. And everybody is quoted as not necessarily saying this as a fact, but that he was never the same after Eddie Guerrero died, because he and and Eddie you could were and you can tell exactly, and you can tell in the in the Eddie Guerrero tribute I hate episode. It. Hate it. Just, just the way that that Chris talked about Eddie, and he just couldn't control himself. He was just an absolute emotional mess, and you can just tell that just that was just such an emotional beating on him. And with everything else that has kind of piled up up to this point, you start to see a shift in in him. And you know, I I, I don't want to act as if. I knew the guy or or saw him on a daily basis, but just seeing him on screen just seemed different. And I'm going to touch more on this in a little bit after we get through kind of his career, but I'm with you, and it, it definitely seemed different after the passing of Eddie Guerrero. Right, and I, and I brought that up because there's several people that were interviewed after Benoit died, you know, asking how it was affecting him when Eddie died, and a lot of them were saying something to the effect that he was never the same again. So at that point still, even through 2005 through 2006, he's messing around with a lot of the mid-card stuff. This is when WWE ECW was kicking off as well, which was an absolute flop, but it was a chance for people to hold titles and get some TV right. time on a, on a Tuesday. So that was okay. Matt Hardy became ECW champion. Christian Kane, yeah, and we we got a lot of them. We got a lot of Punk. We got a lot of Benoit. We got a lot of the Big Show, of course. We got some Johnny Nitro when he was great and young, part of his career. And this really, and that's really how his his career kind of ends. He doesn't do a whole lot, but he starts working his way to the top of that ECW card. Yeah, he was uh, actually was about to win the ECW championship off of CM Punk, yeah. and it was kind of that was WWE's way of saying, hey. We know that when a title gets put on you, it kind of becomes a bigger deal. We need yeah. you to kind of take this ECW brand and you know take it to the next level. Right. And I listened to, I've listened to this podcast a few times. So I've gone back and listened to Chris Jericho and Dave Meltzer. They had a complete Chris Jericho centered. Uh, uh, whoa, Chris Benoit. Excuse me, I'm struggling with the with the Chris's here. The Chris's are combined. There's too many Chris's in my lives right now. And charisma as well. <laughs> Um, but they, they talked about this kind of time frame and how Chris Benoit never saw it as like a demotion. He saw it as a, a new opportunity. It's like, look, they trust me to, to make this ECW brand into something. It's a great and worker. he was, he was going to give it his best to, to make it, uh, into a big deal. So he, he, I, I don't think it had anything to do with him being put on ECW. I think if anything, he was excited about this, this new opportunity, yeah. But yeah, that that's kind of where it kind of just ends abruptly. He he's in the main event quotations of uh, WWE CW, and that that's just that's just where <laughs> where it ends. There's there's no better way to yeah to it, say it. It, it really takes does. a very somber tone here. It was it was the Vengeance pay per view, and I'm, I'm yes. I think the title Vengeance was, Night of Champions. I think the title was vacant at the time. I don't think it was Punk's. I think they were fighting for it, but he was supposed to to beat Punk for the title, and he was then replaced by Johnny Nitro that night because that's really when the things happened. Was that Sunday was June 24th, Bubs of 2007. Yeah, he actually uh, no showed the uh, live event that Saturday. 
and really the only person that he had contact with was Chavo. And if you listen to, to Chavo talk about it, he, him and Scott Armstrong, the referee, uh, the crooked referee, for, um, <laughs> that's the one, yeah. Yeah, they were actually covering for Chris on Sunday. Like, like oh, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard from him. I'm sure he's okay because yeah. that's their friend. They're not going to just out him out like, oh, God, he we haven't heard from him. We, <laughs> you know, he's skipping town or something. Yeah. But it's it's this is just a really sucky sucky time bubs the landscape changes that next night on raw because this is when things this is when the news finds out this is when obviously wwe finds out because they send they request request a welfare check for benoit because he hadn't been responding to them and that's when the authorities kind of find and chavo and scott armstrong tell them like hey we got these weird texts from him we didn't want to tell you because we were covering for him but but here they are yeah so that's when things kind of become apparent in Atlanta what had happened, and then we get the raw the the next night, which mm-hmm. some big stuff had already been planned. This was supposed to be the demise of Vince McMahon or Mr. McMahon, the character. Yes, he was. Supposed that, to, this was to a die huge K-fabe. angle. Yeah. Instead, you they got Brian Ken- not Brian Kendrick, but Paul London fire. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we get McMahon giving us you know basically news updates, and we get a tribute show. A, a bit of a tribute show. I mean, it could have been done better, but they, I mean, they, they were hastily putting this together yeah, because they still didn't know the facts until the next night, which when they aired ECW. And that's when, you know, the, the facts are now apparent is kind of what yes. McMahon kind of said that this was the last time that we would ever hear him say the name of Chris Benoit and that this would be the first step in the healing process. Now I wanted to say yes. this to you right now. And, and I want to know if you agree with this when he says, this is the first part of the healing process. This is the official erasing of Benoit from history, is it not? I do believe that at this point that that decision was was made at that time. That this is such because once the facts come out, and in a little bit, I want to get into you know when you first found out. Um, so when the facts come out, like yes, before. All before the it, it's declared a double murder uh, suicide, mm-hmm. you know you you, you kind of have to have a tribute show because yeah. you, you don't have all the facts and you you can't run a run a show. You know they learn their lesson from the Owen Hart incident. You can't just continue on with a show after something like right. this. So the tribute show was the uh, right way, the exact kind of thing that they had to do. They were kind of painted into a corner here. So you have that show, but then when you get the facts and what the facts were, you, you can't – you have to do what they did. If you're a publicly traded company yes. with with thousands and thousands of stockholders and this, this happens, you have to distance yourself as far as you can. And for the WWE, the healing process was – we need to erase this man from the face of the earth. Right. You know, kind of erase everything that he's done with us. While also, if you if you listen to interviews, they brought in grieving counselors, you know, yes. for, for all the shows for the next, I don't know how long, but people had an, a chance to talk, you know, express their feelings to someone to kind of get through. Because 
it's a it's a huge tragedy. This is someone that you've spent so long with, traveling with every single day, working with for years and years, and you get close to their family, you get close to them, you get close to their family, and then for something like that to happen, it, it takes a toll on you. Both of us have lost people that we've worked with and been around, you know, daily. I've recently lost someone uh, not too long ago, and it's it sucks. Like, no matter what happened, no matter what the circumstances are to it happening, it, it absolutely just is heartbreaking, no matter what. Yeah. So there was a healing process that needed to happen. The corporate side, that healing process was just completely wiping his, him from memory. And, and for the personal healing process is bringing in those those grieving counselors for the wrestlers to talk to. Right. And they did that almost immediately because yes. when the news actually becomes apparent as to what happened, it was that Tuesday morning, which was the night of that ECW, which is that day they removed all Benoit merchandise from all of their um, stores that they were selling it at. They removed it from all of their online stuff. They removed his name from WWE.com, which was running then. They removed all highlight videos from him. Anything basically with his image whatsoever was removed from anything on their website, any type of social media at the time. All that stuff was gone because that was the, I'll call it, you know, politically correct, for lack of a better term, I guess, the way to go because... Financially the, correct, uh, corporately sure. correct. Because they, know, have to, they have to protect themselves because this is a business decision that Vince was making. I think it was extremely difficult on the personal side, regardless of what his opinions were of Benoit, for actually, you know, committing what he did. The fact that he knew him for so long and knew the type of performer that he was, I guarantee it was a very hard thing that he had to oh, do. Oh, absolutely, because... But, um, oh, go on. But being in the position that he is as the, C, the CEO and all the people around him are all telling him, this is the thing we have to do now. We can address this maybe in a different way in the future, but for right now, the immediate answer, this being a day and a half after this has been found out, we have to cleanse ourselves as best as we can yes. to protect our company. Now, they did allow you know superstars like John Cena, Chris Jericho, um, Bret Hart... You know, even Steve Blackman was on with Larry King live. Larry King live, you know, yeah, to episode. do well to do interviews about it. Uh, Vince McMahon was on the Today Show um, to to talk about this situation and listening to to Vince McMahon talk about it. Um, he had, he he had a lot of good things to say about Benoit. He was like, he talked about how it was strange for him not to be there on Saturday or Sunday because he was just the consummate professional. You know. It, for him not to be there, you knew something was was wrong. Like that is not something that you would ever expect from him, and which goes to show just how great of a of a worker, you know, and just great of a, a professional Chris Benoit was. That everyone just had nothing but glowing things to say about the guy, um, but clearly there was something much deeper going on that kind of led to this situation but you're you're absolutely right um as far as business is concerned they made the only move that they could whether you believe it's the right move or not it was the only thing that they could have done it's the only thing that they can continue to do moving forward maybe and not even 15 20 years from now will we you know kind of see i i just don't I'm going to go ahead and, and go on the record now and say 
at least in our lifetime, we will never see Chris Benoit immortalized in the WWE Hall of Fame. You, you can't. You absolutely, from a business perspective, you cannot glorify someone that, no matter how great he was as an in-ring worker, as an in-ring technician, no matter how beloved he was in his time of wrestling, you cannot glorify someone that committed such an act. Yeah. Do, do you agree? I agree with that. And that, that was one of the questions I was going to post to you, and I'm glad you answered it outright, was that should he ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Now, I got a couple positive responses when I was talking to some Twitter folk on this, okay. saying that he should be brought in there because it should be based on the performer. It should be based on the, on the ring stuff that he did. And for that, I can understand how people can think that. But the, the WWE Hall of Fame, as much as people – you know, dislike it. Even people that are in it, they don't think it's you know worth a damn. Goldberg, it ha- yeah, Goldberg lately. It has a lot of ex- a lot of exposure, just like the WWE is in general. So, and the WWE does not want to open up that wound because no. the first thing that happens as soon as you say uh, newest member of the WWE Hall of Fame is Chris Benoit, it opens up that wound. All of a sudden, people are talking about it. Yeah. You know, and it's been closed. It very becomes mainstream for a while. It has been, and it becomes mainstream all over again. And this is something I wanted to bring up that um, th- this whole incident, as soon as it happens, it's immediately a huge black eye on the entire wrestling business in general because it opens up an entire can of worms, not just that a wrestler committed such a heinous act because we see stuff like this all the time not just you know it w- with celebrities uh, of all yeah, sports kind of professional athletes yeah professional athletes um actors musicians we see stuff like this all the time but there's so much more involved when it comes to you know a professional athlete because you then start digging into okay well what might have caused him to do this Right. right. Um. Oh, it's wrestling. Everyone wrestling does steroids, so clearly it has to be steroids. There's the word right there, and that's really yeah. what the the media decided to make their. Ooh, and it latched it, on strong. It, it did, Bubs. Everyone grabbed onto this. Politicians were grabbing onto this. Anybody with any type of political power or media, you know, voice whatsoever. This was the talk. It was and a late- huge story, but people don't realize how big of a story this was. This was national attention was for months. Yes, because the steroid thing hadn't necessarily had a, a poster boy quite just yet. The NFL, we hadn't talked about CTE yet, right, in the NFL. Not yet. Nope. None, of that, none of that had come out. Now, in the early 90s, there was the steroid scandal, but everyone just thought that steroids were things that make you big and they give you roid rage. Well, nothing necessarily had been to this magnitude with somebody with such a high profile before. So you you know what? This happened. Here's our story. And every major media outlet outlet decided to make Benoit their poster boy and their fight against steroids and thus WWE and the entire wrestling industry is really what this came down to. Exactly. And that's something – I'm glad you mentioned the term roid rage. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a great, great terminology, something that has been – Kind of the, the I don't know, kind kind of the go-to, the, the the back door kind of oh this bad thing happened. Hey, that guy's buff. He's taking steroids. It was roid rage. That's what it was. Because anyone who takes steroids gets really really angry. 
because that's that's just the go-to, right? Anyone that commits any kind of heinous crime, it's like, oh, it, it was he's taking steroids. It's roid rage. The funny thing is, is that there's no scientific proof. There's nothing that says, hey, steroids specifically cause you to become more aggressive, gives you this uncontrollable rage, and you start doing things that just you wouldn't normally do because you're taking steroids. Right. Now, sure, maybe an elevated level of you know testosterone you know might trigger something, but it's funny because there there were really no steroids that were found in Chris Benoit's toxicology. He he did have elevated levels of testosterone because he was taking you know he was testosterone. taking testosterone yeah he had but hydrocodone study, in his system i remember that yes there there's a there's a lot of things that were there were there were some things that were in his system that we'll get into but just sticking with steroids you know he he had L, he had testosterone in his mm. system now scientifically when you have lower levels of testosterone in your body, it can cause you to be more depressed. It can cause you some agitation. So a lot of males, older males, uh, kind of like mid-30s and older, will take testosterone replacement therapy. So that way they can have more energy. It actually lifts their mood. It makes them more optimistic. makes them kind of feel much better. Um, so having more testosterone in your body doesn't make you more aggressive and more agitated. So kind of that roid rage uh, thing that the steroid use and abuse that the media kind of latched onto and used as its catalyst to attack pro wrestling uh, in general was just, it, it was, it was, it made me agitated. It made listening to the news in general makes me agitated and angry. So I tried to avoid that at all cost, but this was just, they, they were beating a dead horse that never existed, Bubs. And that, that dead horse, like you just said, it actually still exists right now. Because, again, going back to some of the Twitter conversations and some of the Facebook talk that I had with a lot of people who were engaged on this topic with me, they were instantly blaming still the steroid use, saying that he did right. this because of, of roid rage. Now, what that makes me instantly think, my opinion of you, is that you believe anything the media tells you 12 years ago basically <laughs> and you haven't since listened to anything that's come out in regard to or, or done your own research do do your it's own easy. research even type of thing it's a very easy thing to get go to google and say does roid rage happen roid rage <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but some people were were giving this the excuse when i said what do you think of ben because it's so was, easy it's such an easy excuse it really was that was the easy answer that i was getting and it's really unfortunate that people that call themselves fans of the industry that you you'd believe even that i understand that you don't have to respect chris benoit anymore right. i respect that that opinion that you have but at least have the correct judgment of what he may or may not have done so you get it right roid rage it's really not a thing to blame something as heinous as as what he did on roid rage well it's very superficial so i want you guys to do better that's the thing bubs is that people need it it's almost as if people can't accept the the truth they have to they have to have a reason like there's no way this person that i that i loved and, and looked up to could be this terrible person or could do something so terrible so it has to be something else something else has to 
a material thing. It has to be something right. he took, as opposed to the actual reason that happened to his brain was because of concussions. Yes. There's nothing physical you CTE could see from CTE is that. a real thing. CTE is a, is a disease, Bubs, and, and the thankfully, yes, and thankfully we have someone and, and people in this world like, who believe this or not, Christopher Nowitzki, Bubs, you remember he that was name? the guy. Yeah, he, the, he talked the to his prof- dad. Sports, uh, what, I'm drawing a blank on that. I think it's like the Sports Legacy Institute or something like his, his institute that he, he yeah. runs, that he created, which just, which, uh, man, what am I, I'm so hyped up right now, I'm forgetting what <laughs> I'm trying to say, that they, they research, they investigate these brains of professional athletes that have had multiple concussions that have CTE yeah. and kind of what it it does to your brain and that there is is the main culprit to a lot of these early deaths that we see bubs um even you know in the wrestling business people like test you know you're a big fan of test um he he had cte he had some he had bad concussions and it led to him kind of you know losing sense of reality and we see this in in all kinds of sports especially football now has kind of been hit the hardest with the facts of sure. CTE being a real thing and that there needs to be more done in the head injury community. We as former military personnel, we know that CTE can affect those can affect anybody. You don't have to be a professional athlete. I've seen some of my my best friends get affected by by CTE and TBIs, traumatic brain injuries. And it's a very real thing, and it's the harsh truth that we don't want to look in the face because it, it's so much easier to say, "Oh, he made a mis- It was the steroids. You know, he was taking steroids. That's what caused it. Not this thing that I love called wrestling. It it could possibly be a bad thing that's hurting people. Right. Which is the same reason people that love the NFL. And politicians that love the NFL are afraid to admit that CTE is real. So r- rarely will I ever mention, you know, or reference a movie at least. But when I saw the movie Concussion with Will Smith, yes, it painted a very clear picture of former professional NFL players and what they go through with CTE. And it was awful, Bubs. It's terrible. That movie, that movie Absolutely. Was, was actually tough to watch. I loved it. I learned a lot from it. It made me go do a lot of research. But that opened my eyes to something outside of me taking pills to make myself better, me taking drugs to make myself better. It's something that happens in the sport that I play or something, you know, the, the guys that I watch, you know, have the chance of acquiring. The people I look up to, you know, right. could, could be going through this affliction. So when the doctors from, I think, West Virginia or Virginia, whichever it was, they said that, he, that Benoit himself – had the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer patient with yes. dementia, that changed yeah. my perspective. Chew, de- chew on that for a second. Yeah, when when because I know from people within my family having dementia, I know what that looks like. I know what I it can actually... Yes. I, I've seen the face of that, right? So that causes behavioral problems, very similar to how NFL players have acted after their careers have ended. So, you, I mean, picture Benoit in his body in his early 40s but having the brain of an 85-year-old dementia Alzheimer patient, you can't sit here and throw the word steroids at me and, and try to make that the blame because I'm going to call you a clown, right? It's deeper than it. It's much more real than that. And that is a legitimate – I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. That is a legitimate 
justification of what happened on that day that he killed his family. It wasn't because of a drug. Now, that certainly had something to do with it. I'm not an idiot. I can say that that, that played a part for sure. Right, and there were drugs in his system. He did drugs. He did steroids. That's all fine. I can't accept that. But the reason that he came to the decision to kill his wife and his son was very deeper than what we're really appreciating it for is because yes. he was a very disturbed person in the head. He looked great on the outside. He looked yes. like an ECW world champion the next night. That's how he looked, bubs. But on the inside, it's 20 years of taking chair shots. Yes, and and people complain, we need we need more chair shots. We need more blood in in our wrestling product. This is, you know, you kept throwing the word poster child. This is the poster child for why that was taken out of wrestling to begin with is because, and this is why I've been so afraid of Daniel Bryan coming back and wrestling full-time, is that this is a very real possibility. We've seen it in other avenues other than professional wrestling. You know, head injuries, and just, not just head injuries, but kind of mental mental illness in general is a very real thing that doesn't get talked about enough. And it's not fair to those that are afflicted by mental illness because there's not enough being talked about. People just no. people want an easy answer. People want to say that person's crazy or you just need to chill or yeah. you know this or that. But there's something very wrong with the way that their brain works. And for for us to just kind of throw that by the wayside is doing a major disservice to those that are truly, you know, fighting this on a day in and day out basis. You know, they they are true heroes, those that are able to just continue to fight this because it, it can't be easy. I can't say that I know what it's like to to live with a mental illness and to be able to kind of go through each day kind of living with that affliction is it, it, it's harrowing. It's something that I I don't know what it's like. I'm blessed to not know what it's like, but I have immense respect for those that do go through it. And, you know, he, he might not have had like a mental illness, um, but what his brain was, what it looked like, what he was. Because, like you said, we, we see the face of of what Alzheimer's looks like, what what dementia patients, you know, kind of what it is to to interact with them, and it's scary. Yeah, it really is because they're they're not them; they're a shell of you know their former selves, essentially. And there needs to be more done to help people in the. There's there's got to be more that could be done to kind of diagnose this to to see this this coming but unfortunately some people are good at hiding it and Chris right. Benoit seemed like someone that was that was great at hiding what was really going on behind the scenes Bubs as as our generation we are very ignorant to things like like mental illness like you're talking about Yes. Because it requires a lot of thought, requires a lot of research. It requires. We don't want to do that. We're not. We're not going to do that, right? But in this case, this was one of those things with Benoit because he was such a he's such a favorite of mine for so long. That I'm I too, refu- Bubs. That I he would be in my be, top three if this didn't right. happen. 
I refuse to be ignorant about this, which is why I, I find it hard to interact with people that throw the, the steroid argument at me because it's it's so much deeper than that, that he, he was affected in such a deeper way that you and I, we, we can't really understand. There's very few people in the wrestling world that's just pure fans that we can actually understand this. But what it did was Benoit actually became one of the more influential people in wrestling because after this happened... You, you, we've talked about the grievance counselors, right? Mm-hmm. A year and a half after this, or give or take, the PG era starts, right? right. And we get a lot of less nonsensical TV. We get, you know, we haven't gotten chair shots. Blood is is few and far between. So, he only was, recently have we seen kind of that. Just right, it's been a trending a little bit ago. lately, yeah. but but since that point in that that 2008 2009 time where PG really starts starts taking the head of, of WWE. It's because of of safety is really I think the the cause of it and a little bit of TV you know there's there's TV stuff involved within as well yeah. I'm sure it's a corporate sponsors thing and but, and shareholders yeah but at the same time nobody in the world especially Vince McMahon wants anybody under a contract with him to go through like anything like Benoit did again no he, he well, that's why Daniel Bryan didn't wrestle for two years right the safety involved with what happened to Daniel Bryan the reason Edge is now gone the reason several people are now retired is because Nobody can risk. Nobody's willing to risk, and I'm actually grateful that nobody does risk anything exactly. like this happening again. Because a lot of people they can hide it very well. If we have problems, especially if you're a very stubborn individual, you're going to hide them. You're going to hide your feelings because you're you know you're tough. You're a wrestler. You're not going to put you know show a sign of weakness. Exactly. So, given what happened, it's hard to look at this in a positive light, and I I can completely understand that. But. His influence, just from surely what had happened, has changed wrestling significantly since 2007. Yes, and but and and something was brought up to me uh, earlier this week, and that was the kind of the way we view Benoit is almost as in a cultural kind of sense. Right. He, he gets this hate. I was talking to probably one of the smartest, most knowledgeable wrestling fans that I know personally and we're we're pretty ego egotistical when it comes to our wrestling knowledge we think you know we we believe just we believe our own hype essentially you yeah. and me but I can definitely say this person uh is one of the smartest most knowledgeable people uh, in wrestling period and you know she she also works for a major organization in wrestling but she brought up how culture plays a huge part in this because as an american culture we are we, we shun the this whole chris benoit uh situation we have villainized him uh because of what he did um but just recently in japan they had a huge that they, they did a she talked about how they had a kind of celebration of you know his accomplishments in New Japan as the Pegasus Kid winning the the best of Super Juniors or the the Super Junior Cup or J Cup yeah J Cup man there's just so much to talk about Bubs and <laughs> um that they more focused on his in ring kind of stuff that he did in the ring rather than what he did as a human being and I I, I tend to agree with that because as a as a society we as Americans kind of we're so wrapped up in what everyone's doing. We're so wrapped up in celebrities and, you know, what they do in their personal lives that, you know, some, something like this, 
you know him being a celebrity we we hold on to it and we we turn him into this horrible you know we demonize him in such a, a way that yes we're we're going to shun him and kind of get him out of our our minds and our thoughts because we don't want to think about the horrible things that he did because when we think about him all we can think about is is his son and and his wife and what they had to right. go through and you know, is is that something that's solely based on culture, or is that something that you know we as human beings we we kind of feel the empathy for um, the the victims? Because I'm someone that now that I have a kid, I have a family, I, I feel even more. I have more conviction on you know my thoughts on Chris Benoit. I feel even strongly now stronger than I ever have before about my thoughts on not ever wanting to mention him again mm -hmm. after this because I look at my daughter laying in her bed right now and I think I can never let something like that happen to her and you know it makes me just I, I loved what he did in the ring he was a favorite of mine growing up but you know after this I, I don't want to bring him up ever again okay the, the the point that she makes the Japanese culture that because she she's Japanese right Endo big friend of ours she knows exactly what she's what she's talking about here is that oh one of the smartest people that can, we know period a, absolutely everything that she tells me every question that I ask her just blows my mind so big shout out there but the fact that she says that the Japanese culture can honestly picture him as an in, as an, the in ring performer and not right. necess as necessarily as the entertainer about, rather than the yeah the not person. necessarily care about what happened outside as the person and they can show highlights of him in the in the super juniors that's that's something that the american culture we can't really grasp no if if, if the wwe or even any random indie promotion did a highlight video they would be they'd be blacklisted they'd be they'd be you know if social media found out they'd be hated they'd be you know the death threats would be go their way. In a big way. It's just it's such an interesting dynamic when you talk about the world of wrestling because as wrestling fans across the world we're all very different and it's so interesting that since he spent so much of his time in Japan he was definitely an influence in that early New Japan '90s time, Bubs, and that mid mid '90s time as well, doing the the junior type stuff, junior heavyweight title and stuff like that. So it's very interesting. But here in the states we. We can't we can't understand that. We we combine the two. No. We we look for what what is he doing in the ring? What are actors doing in their movies? What are they doing outside of the movies? Where are they living in Hollywood? What else are they doing? Like, oh, I can't watch lives? this movie because this actor's in it and this actor likes this guy, likes this yeah. politician, so I can't follow him anymore. Yeah, that's that's such a nonsensical. That's thing an that issue. We're, we're it's really it is. You're right, and it is an issue with our society, and it's such an interesting dichotomy uh, when it comes to thinking about how we think of celebrities more than just what. They are in – so going back to like you, you talk about movies, mm -hmm. right? Um, some people can't watch a movie because of a certain actor. You know, it could be one of the great movies, you know, but, oh, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. I can't watch the new Mission Impossible even though it has amazing reviews. Yeah. It's like, oh, th this new Neil Armstrong biopic. I am seeing some crazy stuff about this, you know, because – there's not a scene of him planting the American flag, so all of a sudden this movie is anti-American. Yeah. When people are like, no, have you seen the movie? Because in the movie there's like 30 shots of the American flag on the moon. 
it's like we, we put so much emphasis on what celebrities think and what they do and that makes us it, it, it hampers the way we enjoy things like I can't watch I can't I can't enjoy John Cena anymore because he broke up with Nikki Bella it's like who the fuck cares yeah it's like I watch wrestling because I enjoy what wrestling is wrestling is an escape for a lot of us we watch wrestling because we we might not like what's going on in our real lives but it's fun to kind of jump into this this world of characters that they're that's what they're doing they're playing a character who they are on screen is not who they are in person if you watch Miz and Mrs I in fact if you are not a Miz fan if you hate the Miz do not watch that show because it will make you love him <laughs> that's because true. He, he's it's awesome. so good I love Damn I love it, Miz I, network I know this is probably the best reality show I've seen in a long time just because these are real people showing does their, things like I would do yes because shows like total bellas though that's just yeah. those are celebrities trying to make themselves look like celebrities you know ms and mrs is just showing what they are in person which is just normal people because that's what these celebrities are they're normal people and they're no different than you and me they just have a lot more money no, <laughs> and that's really it they He's still they, chasing his dog around the neighborhood looking exactly. for it just like i would do Exactly, and I've done it before, so I understand. Um, but it's we, we focus so much on who celebrities are and what they do, and it it hampers how we enjoy the product. And but that's just how we are as a culture. It's how we are as a society. And I have, I, I'm not going to be someone that after this I'm like, okay, I'm okay with Chris Benoit now because I'm really not. Yeah, I I can't, but I also can't fully blame him for what he did because there was something psychologically and mentally um, just not right, and he he wasn't in his full faculties when when that incident happened. Yeah, I don't believe any of the conspiracies out there. Okay, there's a lot of crazy conspiracies out Kevin there. Sullivan did it. Okay, so did his next door neighbor. Apparently, <laughs> um, but he 100% committed this this act, this heinous, horrible thing. But there's a big but here. The mentally, he was mentally not well. He was ill. He may not have been diagnosed with a mental illness. But he was mentally ill, and there's not enough going on in this world to help people in that kind of state of mind. There's not enough in this not enough awareness for mental illness out there, and it's such a real thing, and it's and it's such an important thing that people just because someone has a mental illness doesn't make them crazy. Mm-hmm. A lot of mental illnesses are easily treatable now. It's very hard for them to live through life like that, but it. I, I have to try and continue to distance myself from this situation. As most people will do as well. And he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. We can both understand that. Right. I can still appreciate the fact that if I put his name into the WWE Network, I can find, find all of his matches. That I can appreciate because he's never going to be immortalized, right? He's never going to go right. into the Hall. But he's kept in some type of light because I can go and look him up and find him in any match that I want. 
that is good enough for me. I can accept that, that that's really all I'm going to ever get. Yes. All right? Now, earlier today, we talked about where we place him as far as like the all-time best in-ring type of technicians, right? Because right. given all of his styles, he's still a technician for, you know, the lack of a, you know, to, to categorize it in a general right. statement, okay? I agree with that. So when a lot of people say that they avoid talking about Chris Benoit, that he's, you know, he's a, the devil and he should be rotting in hell, that's their opinion. <laughs> but yeah, when that's... I, when I counter that and I say, so where do you place him all time in a ranking? And they and they give me any answer. It, it's a little bit of you know, it's a little hypocritical that they it still is. rank him uh, in, in like their top five or top ten or top two, even in a couple cases, saying that they still look him up on the on the network or on YouTube and find his matches. So that's that's where I find the world a little bit weird that you can you know call him a demon for what he was, which is fair, right. but then say ah, he's still my second favorite technical wrestler of all time. <laughs> so that I, I don't know. No, you, I, you, y'all yes. can't have it both ways, you know. I completely agree with you. And as much as I'm saying that I want to distance myself from him, I just mean I don't want to kind of I I, I don't want to keep bringing up. Because if you bring up Chris Benoit, no matter what, what he did is brought up. Yeah, you and can't simply talk about a match of his, unfortunately. No. And I, I'm i not going to sit here and say that because of what he did, he's all of a sudden a terrible wrestler when my entire life uh, he was one of my favorites. Yeah. But because – but also, there's so many buts so here. So many and buts it's, here. It's such a tough, difficult situation to talk about to deal with that th- the most I could say is he was a tremendous wrestler. He was a tremendous in-ring technician. He captivated the audience. He was a main eventer. He he had everything. But there's the but again. He did something so bad that we can't kind of immortalize him. We can't put him in that upper echelon. Just be like, if we did a top five best in-ring technicians, he's in there. He would be, but number three, he would be, but I wouldn't put him on my list just because I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to bring that topic up. Okay. That's that's what it has to do with. As you said earlier, this is where the wrestling world is split in half. Exactly. So you can re- you could recognize him for what he was, but you'd never bring it up. I'm on exactly. the other the other part of that where I would talk all day where he is my third favorite technical wrestler of all time and I would talk at length about what And he I did. agree with you. He was and amazing is, and I, that, exactly, that's fine. This is exactly what all you guys that are listening out there, this is exactly the same split that we've seen on social media's back and forth was that some people love him. They don't even like to talk about the bad stuff because they only want to remember him for what he was. Then there's the other half that are like, yeah, he did all that stuff in, in wrestling, but he's <laughs> yes, a terrible human being. And he's, and he's, uh, I'm well, no, no, no. I'm not. In hell okay. Well, thing. that's going on the far extreme. I'm not saying he was a terrible human being. I... I I want to bring light to the mental illness that he was, you know, going through. Be- his brain was just in such bad shape that it. Yes, he he committed those those crimes. He did, but it. I know. I, I, I know. just. I can't it's say so it without. Hard. It is because it wasn't him that he wasn't all there mentally. 
he wasn't in the right frame of mind and it's it's a horrible situation it really and right now i (laughs) i spend all this time talking about how i want to kind of distance myself from him but i'm 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 giving an out to to him but it's not an out because this is a real you know mental illness is a real thing cte is a real thing tbi is a real thing that does not get enough attention and if this does anything anything at all i don't care about how many downloads we get i don't care about anything other than there needs to be more light brought onto just brain injuries onto to the mental state mental illness and there just needs to be more help out there right when people commit crimes when they're on drugs we still blame them. We still charge them in the court of law for doing illegal things while they were on drugs, right? But they go to serve their time. They get help. They get fixed because they were affected by something outside of their normal being. Now, had – this is a, a random thing – had Benoit not hung himself, had he not died that day and it came to light that he had this mental illness and he had no idea what he was doing and dementia was deep into his brain, what would have happened then? Like, would people still not have given him the second opportunity of maybe seeking help or uh, at the least of understanding why he would have done it? But we'll never be able to understand that because we, he, we wouldn't. He, he's gone. But same thing. When right. people do things because of an outside influence or because of something wrong in their head, yes, I understand you can blame them for it. But there is a reason why they do it. It's not right. just because they chose it's, to do it. Exactly. And it... And I love that you brought that up because you just made a an invaluable point. If he survives this, I do think that he's still vilified. People because there there's always gonna be people no matter what that says he's a horrible human being that deserves to rot in hell, like you like to say. Um, but there there was something much deeper than that. He he one hundred percent committed the crime. Yes. But now I'm very self-conscious about using the word but. However, <laughs> ooh, that's a new one. Um, Synonym. However, yeah. <laughs> however, there was an underlying cause. There was a, a reason for it other than him just wanting his family and him dead. Yeah. Like your brain, if your brain's mush... You know, you're not you. You're not who you're supposed to be. And, and I li- that came out during the Larry King interview when Jericho and you mentioned Steve Blackman. When all these yeah. people start talking about what he was like, even you know months or weeks prior to it happening, that this was a huge shock to them because they'd never imagined or envisioned a guy like him killing. Because he loved his. Fa- Jericho talked so, about how. They, instead of driving straight to a town, he would go out of his way to go, to home, go home to spend yeah. time with his family. This this was a guy that loved, you know, loved his kid, uh, just loved his. Even if you know, there's stories about how they were, you know, filing for divorce and all that. And but he he loved his son so much. You know, his dad had an interview. Um, Chris Benoit called him on Father's Day to say, you know. You know, happy Father's Day, and he asked him how he's doing. He's just like, well, I, I wish I was at home spending this time with with my son, just because that that's where I should be. And 
to, to have him then commit that crime against someone that he, he loves so dearly, and that wasn't him that made that decision. That was that was a, a brain that was long gone, that was a brain that was damaged, um, that was a psyche that has been long, long taken out of the equation. You know, he, he wasn't able to make rational decisions anymore, and, and it cost him his entire legacy, and it cost his family their entire lives. Right. Bubs, I am so glad we've gotten to talk about this because this has been very healing in a way for me. Because I do feel I, like a, a weight's lifted off my chest, Bubs. Every time that I bring him up and I, and I mention him when we're talking about you know technical wrestlers or a match and I just say his name, I feel this hesitancy before I say it because there is a natural hesitancy that comes with any time you say his name anymore. He is the Voldemort of wrestling. <laughs> You're not supposed he is, to say 100%. that name. And stupid reference but it's true because we avoid it's not a stupid reference that's a 100 percent accurate it reference is. we don't want to say his name on twitter and i hope that you guys that, that are hearing this right now hit me up on twitter right after this i am one of those fans that can go in and search for a chris benoit match watch it love it and appreciate it for what it was and then turn it off and go find something else to watch without thinking about what happened in atlanta in june of 2007 now, Ken is on a little bit different spectrum of that, as are the rest of you. But this is really what separates us as far as wrestling fans, because there's so many different opinions, so many different ways to take things. But at the end of this, I'm glad this became a conversation about CTE and TBI, because it I wasn't too. fucking roid rage. It and was this so is something I'm going to... You're right. And it's something I'm going to bring up as soon as we're done here. I'm going to hop back on Facebook, and I'm, uh, I'm going to cut another promo, bub. Promos. And... <laughs> And this has been so much more than just, yes, we, we talked about Chris Benoit, the, the wrestler, the man, but what I really wanted to get out of this was to just bring more light to to kind of the mental side of it. The, the, the brain is a very, it's the most important part of us, Bubs, and a lot of times we don't take good care of it. And... And when we don't take good care of our brain, it's what controls everything. If we don't take good care of it, um, it, it it's not always going to be there. And we it see the ramifications. It, it does, and we see the ramifications of that. And because of that, we we can't fully discuss one of the greatest wrestlers of all time in the ring um, be, because he didn't take care of his brain, bubs, and it cost not only him but it costs the lives of, of two other human beings. Right. And, Bubs, just thinking of that, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. We, we always plug in our love and hate segment. We're going to plug that in right now. My, my hate is the Internet. <laughs> I hate some of you people on social media. I hate some of you that are so short and nearsighted as to what goes on in this world that it very much irritates me at a very deep and personal level. And I've found that out over the last two days because I have never been threatened before on on Twitter until now, and that's such a a humbling it's thing. Affected, it's affected to, you, Bubs. It has because I didn't <laughs> think by posting a picture and saying that we're going to talk about it would lead to anything like that. So I don't think I'm the problem. I do think you are the problem. But we did talk about a lot of stuff today, Bubs. Everybody that contributed, I do appreciate that, whether it's good or bad, or you hate him or you love him. We'll be throwing some more love out on the Twitter 
after this as well. So this was a very good talk, Bubs. But real quick, I'm going to plug my love because I'm, I'm dedicated to doing the love and hate segment on each you show, are. Bubs. This is your baby. Indie wrestling is big. All In is happening. It is happening tomorrow night from when we are recording this. So if you guys are listening to this, hopefully on a Saturday morning, it is happening tonight. And it's a big deal. Some people don't think it's a big deal. Uh, no, no charisma, Ken, my man. On the other, other side of the mic. Um, does about, think, oh, one second, let me get my piece whoa, in. If you don't, how about Tar Ken? Real cheap, one of quick. It's, it's going to be a good show. It's good for wrestling. Earl Hebner is out there laying down the three count. I'm excited oh, for the NWA. The world slowest title. three count, Bubs. There's going to be a bump. So slow. I hope a he takes a big bump. But I love that right now. I'm not going to love it next week. I hope the card is good. I'm going to watch it on New Japan World because I'm committed to the New Japan product. And I'm sure some of that money goes to you, Endo, so you're good, you're good for that. Hopefully you're listening to this as well. But, Bub, that's my love and hate as well. So what do you got? What do you got for me? Okay, Bubs. What I love, and this isn't about wrestling in general, but what I love is that we were able to have this conversation because you and me, we're on completely – you know, that line is drawn, and we're on two different sides, Bubs. But we were able to sit here and have a great conversation, a civil conversation. We aired out the our, our grievances. We, we talked about differing opinions. And you know what we did? We had a great adult conversation about this. That's I didn't rare. threaten you. You didn't threaten me. We just talked about you. You are still okay with, with talking about Chris Benoit the wrestler. Damn. I'm not fully okay with talking about Chris Benoit the person after this, but we were able to have this conversation, and I just I love that we were able to do that, and I just hope that that's something that moving forward, you know, that this is what being a human being is all about is that we're able to talk about talk about subjects, have a differing opinion about them, and able to continue on without showing hate, without showing anger towards the other person just because they have a differing opinion because Bubs, there's a lot of things you and i differ on yes but we're still we're still in this together we're still bubs yes forever all right so that's my love now do you hate anything right now you can't hate the internet anything you hate you're right on in wrestling right now you already you already took that from me um hate going on in wrestling right now i hate the fact that Neville is not on the WWE roster anymore. I hate it. I really? hate the fact that he won't be on the he he because I, I I love the fact that he's able to kind of go out and make a bigger name for himself. But I hate the fact that he can't do it on the biggest stage because he is a big time player, Bubs. He should be in there with the likes of Seth Rollins. He should be wrestling AJ Styles, Andrade, Cien Almas. Could you imagine him and Almas having a feud, having just a series of matches? How great that would be. And I hate that I can't see that for now. I think often that you're a stupid human being when you bring up certain topics, right? And you say certain things. I think you're an idiot sometimes. You're, well, that's fine wait, because it wait takes for it. to no one. You're right. No, that's fair. And, but then you tell me to imagine a match between him and Cian Almas, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. That would burn the house down because it would be so good. Oh, easy. Now, That's gimmick infringement. Leave Seth sorry, out of this. I, can't, I can't say anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Neville Bubs, 
he's on to the indie world. If he ends up in New Japan and doing junior heavyweight stuff, are you going to be upset? Really? Yes, because he's not a junior heavyweight, Bubs. That guy is a heavyweight. He Imagine him with, with Kenny Omega. Maybe. Bubs, imagine okay. him with... He can run that junior division by himself, though. I'm not going to buy him beating an Omega. you got to give me a storyline. Well, no, of that. course not. But imagine him with the likes of Zack Sabre Jr. Okay. With with Will Offspray. Okay. Uh, with Sonata. Sonata, your Eve. man. I love Sonata so much. Imagine. Oh, it's just ah, so good. The possibilities are endless, but I Neville deserves that I think your hate is trash. Your hate is trash. You're trash, first of all. Good First comeback. of all, you are... Hey, I'm, I'm, it's, uh, well <laughs> it's done, been a Bubs. long week, Bubs. Well done. I can't, I'm wearing the shirt you gave me. I did get so you that shirt for your You can't birthday. be mad at me. For those of you listening real quick, our love for each other is actually <laughs> deeper it's than too it may deep. seem. I got him. My wife is worried about him. He, yeah, she should be concerned. <laughs> He's currently wearing the NWO Wolfpack shirt that I got him for his birthday. He looks great. It'll be on the Facebook live feed that he's about to do. Yes. So go ahead and sing the sing the Too songs sweet. there of the Wolfpack, bub. It's great stuff. Give me Scott Hall for the win. But I'm really glad we got to have this talk. Love and hate all day. The best Chris Benoit conversation I've ever had for sure. And this really will be the last time that we talk about him in depth. I'm, I'm completely okay with not having him on the show as far as a topic unless he comes up simply in passing mentioning a match or anything like that I, I i get that that's how this world works so i'm cool with that but this this segment really has allowed me to get out a lot of my thoughts i got to do all the research that i wanted to do about him two fucking yes. years ago so finally got that out and this is going to be trending all over twitter because i'm about to go hard on the twitter with the hashtag cte and hashtag tbi for a while so this was great bubs this is an hour and a half conversation that i don't think you and i were ready to have i thought we were going to leave this a little yeah. little bit short but it got i told pretty you real, no i told you that crazy. this was going to be a this was going to be a thick episode bubs and if anything i would if there was one word i i could use to to describe this episode it'd be cathartic because it it gave us a chance to air out everything that we've wanted to say for a while now and now that we've were able to get this out there, uh, now that we were able to kind of you know lift that burden off of our chest and talk about such a such a tough topic, uh, such a controversial topic like you you mentioned early on, um, we, we needed this, and, and I'm glad I'm glad that it's finally happened, and I'm glad that it's behind us now because I'm I'm ready to move on. And moving on is what we're going to be doing next time. Um, so many topics out there for us to talk about. We would love to know what you want us to talk about. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, Twitter at CAE Wrestling, and just search Collar and Elbow Wrestling on Facebook. You'll know us from the logo, that distinctive red and black Collar and Elbow right. logo. Wolfpack. Wolfpack all the way to Sweet Baby. We are the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am Kenny Oak. He was Charisma Chris Harris, the worst nickname in all of the podcast world. And we, together, all of us, will make wrestling great again. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did.